Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. So it is Easter and he is risen. And Easter is about the resurrection as much as it is about following, following the true leader, the good leader, the leader that you can trust. And trust is about taking those first steps out of the tomb. That's today on the podcast. If you could take all of the teaching of Jesus, all the things that he was trying to get across to his disciples and what that means for us, I think you can argue that you could boil all of that down to two words, follow me. When it comes to following Jesus, I feel like, well, we're intimidated because the way that Jesus framed it isn't exactly what we have in mind sometimes. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I don't know. That doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> right? It sounds like there might be some sacrifice involved there. Like, what do you mean deny myself, take up my cross and follow I don't know. I don't know if I'm up for that, or I'm not even sure if I understand what that really means. And so I think sometimes we just kind of play it safe from following Jesus a little bit. Because we're not sure exactly what this is going to require of us. So I wanted to talk a bit about what it means to follow Jesus, because I actually think that Easter is as much about the resurrection as his call to say, follow me. And it's all about trust, right? You have to put your trust in the leader. Now, I was thinking about leadership lessons when I was growing up, because following takes trust. Um, I remember, so I grew up, uh, up until ninth grade, I was in Los Angeles, and then we moved to the Poconos, which was, let's say, a little trip back in time, which is why to this day, I have a desire to wear shorts all year round and flannel. Both at the same time. That explains me a lot. But when we moved, and, um, and I started playing football, and my best friend Chris, who is the best man at my wedding, so you know this story works out just fine. But Chris uh, basically introduced me to jumping off a bridge into the Delaware River. Now, this was something that, and it looked a lot like that bridge right there. This was something that I didn't know was, was a thing, but apparently in the Poconos, there's not a lot going on compared to Los Angeles. So jumping off a bridge into the Delaware River. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, great. Sure, sounds wonderful. And we get there and, you know, half the football team's there. And these guys, so that, it had um, like a structure like that. These guys were climbing up these beams to get higher than the bridge so that they, right, so they can jump off. And it's one of these old, like the train used to go across the Delaware there. And they told me it was not operational anymore. Now, today, I look back and I think, hmm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they uh, didn't exactly know. But So then, to make sure this wasn't a prank, I tell my friend Chris to go first. <laughs> like, are you trying to get me to, you know, I'm the California guy and you're trying to pull one over, everyone's going to laugh. 
So I go, okay, you go first. And he gets out there and he jumps like it's nothing, like it's jumping from here. He's just like, and, you know, and he makes it. He survives. Gets to the bottom. I'm like, okay, all right. So I get myself ready to jump. I swear to you, the words of my mother went right through my head. You know, because you've heard these words. If a friend jumps off a bridge, I swear, I heard, I heard her voice. I'm like, mom, darn you. Oh, this is that moment. And I, I failed my mother in that moment. But so I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready and I jump. And let's just say it was an okay experience. Uh, the jump was exhilarating. When you jump from that high, there are places your clothes go that you're not. I'll just leave it right there. I'm going to leave that right there, and you could pick that up on your own. But it was, it was an okay experience, but I, I survived it, and I thought, you know, looking back, I'm thinking, that was, there was a valuable leadership lesson in there. I think the first lesson is, is that you have to trust somebody in order to follow them. You have to trust that they've been where you're going. Like, I wasn't going to jump, so my friend Chris jumped first. Like, okay, he's okay. But then another thing crossed my mind is that it kind of matters who you put your trust in. Do they actually have your well-being in mind? I don't know if there are any children of the 1980s here like me. Any kids of the 80s? All right. So you might remember this movie. 1987 classic, Whitewater Summer, starring Kevin Bacon. If you've not seen this, you have missed, according to the poster, hold on for the wildest ride of your life. I think they oversold that movie just a little. But the point of the movie was Kevin Bacon was the counselor and he was taking some boys on this adventure hike kind of thing. And then uh, he goes crazy. He goes off the rails and then they're like trying to kill him. And I mean, it's this crazy, crazy story. But the point is this. Make sure you pick the right leader. Make sure you pick the right leader. So you have to have trust, but you also have to believe that your leader is going to have integrity, that they care for your well-being. I don't think jumping off the bridge was somebody caring for my well-being. So I want to make sure that I trust the right person because the very course of my life depends on who I'm following. Think about who or what we follow. And then think about, well, are we following a person or an idea? Are we following someone who has our best interests in mind? Are we following somebody who's been there and experienced that? A friend of mine would always say, um, listen to somebody who you'd be willing to trade your life with them because those are the people that you want to listen from. The people who've been where you want to go. The people who have integrity and character. And so when it comes to God's call to follow me, we have to actually trust that Jesus is who he says he is. And that's where a lot of people get stuck. In fact, his disciples got stuck there. Think about Jesus' disciples. They did have trust in him, so much so that we have stories of them leaving their lives in order to follow him. They thought that they had chosen, picked the right leader. And at, well, actually, it was kind of the other way around. The right leader picked them. If you remember how they were called to be disciples, it was a total different way than disciples were usually uh, called to study under a rabbi. The way it worked back in Jesus' day was you had to be the best of the best. You had to be like the high achiever 
academically. And then you could apply to study under a particular rabbi. And it was extremely selective, and not everyone made it. And so if you weren't in that very top percent who even had a chance, you went off to learn the family trade, go learn a business, go learn how to fish, do something else so that you know how to make a living. And how do we know about the way that Jesus' disciples showed up? Jesus went to them. He went to people who already weren't the best of the best. They were fishermen. They had other jobs. And he said, follow me. I often think about what it was like when Jesus came to them and said, follow me. When he looked them in the eye and said, follow me. Was it, was it just that Jesus had all this kind of power and gravitas about him? Or was it that they were so flattered that a rabbi came and said, follow me? Was it a combination of those things? Either way, they believed Jesus was special. They saw him do miraculous things. And they believed that maybe, just maybe, Jesus was going to change the world and they would get front row seats. And then when everything came down, when Jesus was arrested, when he was tortured, when he was crucified, what happened? Everybody scattered. Everybody. Everybody scattered. And so in that way, you know that Jesus' followers lacked complete trust in him. They didn't fully believe. Otherwise, they wouldn't have ran for their lives. But I got to say, I don't know that I blame them. If I were in that situation, I mean, Jesus, it, it was over. He was in the tomb. He was dead. There was no gray area there. He was dead. He was buried in the tomb. They rolled the stone across. Now, a couple of things about this was in Jesus' day, uh, you would have had to buy a tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, it is believed, helped to purchase a tomb so that Jesus could be buried there. And he and the women went and took Jesus there, but they didn't have time to prepare his body according to custom. So, Because the Sabbath was coming, so they knew they'd have to come back after the Sabbath. And the stone, it was normal that the stone would have been rolled across the entrance. It was for sanitary reasons uh, that they did that. But this was no small stone. This is something that would take a couple of really strong people to move. And in the other Gospels, we get the women going to the tomb and they're wondering, how are we going to move the stone? They're not really sure how that's going to happen. And that leads us to our scripture from the Gospel of Luke today. Luke 24, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, they would have been really surprised at this. They would have thought something was up. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, at this point... They may have been thinking, oh my gosh, like the Romans stole the body and we're not going to get a chance to bury him properly. First they crucify him, they take him away from us too soon and now we're not even going to be able to care for him, give him a proper burial. And you could see they were, they were confused and didn't know what was going on. Verse 4, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. 
In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. I love, first of all, I love that. I love when the disciples don't get it. Because it gives me hope for me. <laughs> right? I mean, they, I mean, they were actually physically with Jesus for three years during his ministry. And they still didn't understand what he was saying. That gives us hope. I mean, back in the day of Jesus, when Jesus said, come follow me, you're like, oh, okay, where are you going? You know, we just follow him. It's not like that today. It's different. So the women go back and they tell the rest of the disciples what's going on. And here's how they responded. Verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Men, let this be a lesson. Just listen to the women. But seriously, like their words seemed like nonsense. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Clearly, they didn't get it. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So, so Peter actually sees the burial linens. No body, burial linens. Jesus said a bunch of stuff. Report of angels. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, why? Why are they on their way to Emmaus? Because they thought it was over. They were going back home. See, the disciples, many of them, once they thought it had ended at the tomb, they went back to being fishermen again. They went back to their everyday lives because they thought whatever ride we were just on has ended. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came, came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. This is a really strange moment when we read it. They were kept from recognizing Now notice it's passive. It's not they didn't recognize him. They were kept from recognizing him. See, I think Jesus is still teaching lessons to his disciples. And I think this is the first post-resurrection lesson. It's following me. It's going to happen through the eyes of faith, not your physical eyes anymore. I'm not going to say, come follow, and you're going to come. You're going to have to follow me spiritually. Your faith is going to have to awaken your eyes to see. I think he's trying to show them that following him is going to be different. Following him is like you and I follow him after the resurrection through the eyes of faith. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Oh, sorry. <laughs> What, even under a rock? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <All> right. <laughs> what, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. 
The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Of course, this was the last time they saw him when they were all together. He was doing the same exact thing. Then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they all said, it is true. The Lord has risen. The resurrection is the whole reason that we trust Jesus as our leader. The resurrection is the reason that we follow him, that we have complete trust in him. If the resurrection didn't happen, we all got dressed up for nothing today. The resurrection is everything. Why? Because he's the one who's gone where we are hoping to go. He's the leader to follow. He went and he conquered sin and death, and now he is with his Father in heaven for an eternity, surrounded in glory. And he says, if you follow me, you can come too. We can trust him because we know he's already been there. We can trust him because he has our well-being in mind. He is the one who wants us to be whole, to have life, and that eternally. I know that there's, and when I was growing up, and especially in my times before I was a Christian, I know what the skeptics and cynics believe. I know that there's, they say that there's a burden of proof to show that the resurrection actually happened. And I say, well, show me that it didn't. Because the evidence is pretty overwhelming. When people ask me why I'm a Christian, I say, because of the resurrection. Otherwise, all of this falls apart. But here's what we know. Here are the biggest things that we know. We know that Jesus Christ actually existed. We know that he taught. He had disciples. We know that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. There's all archaeological and written evidence outside of Christianity to verify all of those claims. We also know that his disciples proclaimed that he had risen from the dead. Now, what are the big theories for those who maybe are cynical of the resurrection? There's, there's three, the three best arguments are these. Argument number one, the women went to the wrong tomb. They were so upset and so distraught, they went to the wrong tomb. How's that for a high view of women? That's ridiculous. They were there when he died. They would have been with him when they were putting him in the tomb. And then like, oh my gosh, we're so upset. Oops, wrong tomb. That makes no sense to me. Okay, that's the wrong tomb theory. The second best one is this. Well, the disciples took the body, obviously. 
and then proclaim that he rose from the dead. Okay, interesting thought. However, almost all of them ended up dying as martyrs proclaiming that Jesus rose from the dead. So I don't know about you, but sometime before they hung me up, I'd be like, okay, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. It was Peter. It was his idea. Like, like, <laughs> right? At some point before they put me to death, I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. This, this has gotten out of hand. It was kind of a thing, and then we... And then the third is, and the third theory is, well, the Romans clearly stole the body so that, uh, yeah, I don't know why. Oh, the Romans stole the body. The problem with that is, as not in the, was in the Roman Empire's best interest. Think about this. They proclaimed that Caesar is the only son of God. So how would it help them to carry on that Jesus is the son of God who rose again from the dead? It makes no sense. They would have taken Jesus' body and paraded it around and said, nah, not, nope, didn't rise from the dead. Here he is, right here. See? Now, put your trust and faith in Caesar. He's the real son of God. If this is the best the world can do, then I feel like Jesus is speaking to us how slow we are to believe. All the prophets have spoken. Jesus says, come follow me. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. But here's where I think we struggle the most. I don't know if it's um, a byproduct of being a 21st century American in the Western world. You know, that, that we are so prosperous compared to the rest of the world that we have a tendency to re- rely on our own resources before we rely on God. And in other parts of the world, they don't have much resources, so they rely on God for everything. And their faith is like through the roof. I don't know if it's that or if it's just fear. But I think what happens is most of us come to a place in our life, maybe you're not there yet, but maybe you will be, where you say, okay, I believe I believe Jesus is the I am. I believe he is who he said he was. I believe he gives me new life. But then we kind of stop there. It's as if we've been resurrected, but we stay in the tomb. Because we're scared. We don't know what following him is going to look like. It's like we trusted him for our salvation, but we don't want to trust him for the rest of our lives. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like he hasn't been there before. Like he doesn't have a plan to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. We forget all of that. But listen, resurrected people don't stay in the tomb. Remember Jesus' words to Lazarus when he raised him from the dead. He said this, Lazarus, come out. And I feel like for us it's the same thing. He's saying to you and me, come out. You are not dead anymore. You are alive. Now come out and live this new life. Don't stay in the tomb. You have no business being in there anymore. Jesus says, follow me. And you have to pick the right leader. There's so many leaders we can follow. Leaders, you know. Self-help philosophies. and Success manuals. And it's not that those things are bad. In fact, a lot of those are good things. But they're not the main thing. They're not Jesus. You know, it's funny. We, we look to improve ourselves. Or we learn to discover ourselves when really in the Christian way it's 
Discover Jesus and he'll show you your true self. Are we going to follow everything else in this world? Or are we going to follow the one who gives us new life and says, come, follow me? Amen. Amen.